uh, served to remind him of the authoritative position that he occupied. He was not to shirk the responsibilities associated with his office. He was forced to make difficult decisions to ensure the Constitution was followed and the citizens of the United States were protected. Whether one agrees with President Truman's political decisions or not, it seems he understood the importance of authority. <clears throat> and that's what we've been looking at for the last couple of weeks, and we'll discuss again today, this idea of authority, the concept of authority, and with it comes certain responsibilities. So if we wish to avoid chaos, our actions must be governed by an authoritative, authoritative standard. The standard cannot be based on our own likes or dislikes, Otherwise, it would lack objectivity and universal applicability. Uh, something, unfortunately, the world does not understand and does not, un does not see. This idea that there has to be a standard, and this standard cannot be based on what I like, and it cannot be based on what you like. When we look at the religious world, there's only one authoritative standard. That is the scriptures. And we're not free to interpret those scriptures the way that we want to interpret them. Everyone has their own likes and dislikes. But the Bible tells us that prophecies are not open to private interpretation. In other words, our responsibility is to read the scriptures and to interpret it as God wants it interpreted. I've heard all my life that the best commentary on the scriptures are the scriptures themselves. And that's very true. When we look at the scriptures and we, and we just read something, it's easy to take that out of context. And then we can apply it based on our bias. But when we study the scriptures and we look at other scriptures that are in relation to the one that we're studying at that time, we begin to see how the Bible as a whole discusses it and what God really wanted when he wrote that scripture. We look at Judges 21-25, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And we understand what happened at that time. When everyone tries to do what's right in their own eyes, everyone tries to do what's best for their interest and not for the community as a whole. Our authority must come from a source that transcends man and is unchanging and consistent. In other words, the Godhead. Look at Hebrews 13 and 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we need an authority that is consistent. We need an authority that is not changing. It's difficult to have an authority that everyone can follow if that authority changes day by day. You can never count on anything. You cannot understand what the goal is and how things work. Um, to the teenage class um, a few years ago probably now, we talked about some things like this, and I used the example we before discussed gravity, okay? We understand gravity is a consistent thing, right? And because it's a consistent thing, there's sometimes that we don't like gravity in there. Yeah. However, do we really want it to be inconsistent? There may be replications. Can't talk this morning again. Maybe consequences, I guess. Because of gravity, if we do these things incorrectly. But 
I don't know about you, but every time I jump, I really want to come back down, right? Consistency. When it comes to religious authority, we also need the same consistency. We need to know that whenever we look at the scriptures, we're going to find the same thing. It's going to apply to all of us in the same way. What kind of religious world would it be if everyone's salvation was different? How would you know what applied to you? But God didn't do it that way. He did it on purpose. As we saw last week, the authority inherited within God's inherit within God's head has been conveyed through the inspired apostles and the writers of Scripture. We saw that Galatians 1, verses 11 through 12. These writers were led by the Holy Spirit, which ensured consistency and that the word was delivered directly from the source, the Father. Thus God's words stand as our authoritative standard today. Authority must not be ignored or abused. We must simply submit ourselves to it. Moses reminded the Israelites of this responsibility before they entered the promised land. In Deuteronomy 4 and verse 5, it said, Surely I have taught you the statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land that you go in to possess. Unfortunately, they didn't remember that, did they? And it cost them. In other words, God's people must be concerned with, the following, with following God's directives. In addition, God's directives must not be altered. Submission to proper authority does not allow room for deviation. What does submission mean? If we're going to make the statement that we're going to submit to Christ, that means we're going to follow Christ and what he commands, right? That doesn't mean that we're only going to follow what we want to follow from Christ. That doesn't mean that we're going to try to overrule Christ and to change his commands. Submission means that we're going to follow his commands as they were given. Sometimes, even if it's well-intentioned, we still deviate from the commands. So what is a deviation? In the industry that I work in, we have drawings and details of how things are supposed to be built. And those come from the design engineers, and they go through people who check them technically, and they go through people who check them for different formats and all the other things that's required with governmental regulations. And eventually they make it to a shop where they're supposed to be built. But the people in the shop are under direct commands to build it as it is drawn. The engineer did it that way for a specific reason. So what if the person in the shop who's making this panel decides, I don't really like the way the engineer drew it. So I'm going to take this life support switch and I'm going to swap it with a pyrotechnic switch. Okay. Wouldn't be a good outcome, would it? There are reasons for these things. And there are reasons that we should follow these things. Well, it could work, but it's not by what the authorities said to do. It could work, but instead of providing astronauts with more oxygen, you could blow up the vehicle. But it would work. It could. I mean, <laughs> it would work. It would definitely work. Right. 
Okay, so when we talk about a deviation, we're getting back to that. When we deviate from something, we do not have the original any longer. That's the point I'm trying to make. If we deviate from scriptures, we no longer have the original scriptures. But if we're not following the original scriptures, we're not following what we need for salvation. So as soon as we deviate from the scriptures, we condemn ourselves to be lost. Yes. There are a lot, of, a lot of things that put forth themselves to be Bibles, which are not Bibles. They're really people's opinions. Um, if you ever see something that says paraphrased, you know you're in the wrong territory, right? Okay. But even though we have the scriptures and we have this authoritative standard to follow, oftentimes it does make us to have personal sacrifices. There are certain things that we have to give up. That's human nature. We're not perfect. But to follow scripture, sometimes we have to, to make those sacrifices. That's where the authority of God's people, the authority of God, which has been conveyed to us in scripture, requires congregations to be led by elders, whose job is to ensure God's word is properly followed. You see that in Acts chapter 14. And as this lesson will show, these individuals elsewhere described as shepherds who watch for the souls of the congregation. We'll go over to Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. It says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So that's something we need to keep in mind, something we need to understand, something that keeps us from doing those deviations that we talked about. And then Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls. As those who will give, have to give an account, let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for it will be of no advantage to you. We'll look at statutes, statutes and judgments in Deuteronomy chapter 4. The authority for God's people is derived from God's decrees. Moses made this point when he addressed the children of Israel just prior to their entrance into Canaan. Preparing the people for their conquest of the land, he reminded them of the importance of obeying God. Because of their faithfulness, they were about to reap the reward the previous generation allowed to slip away. Whereas their fathers before them had turned from God's direction in cowardice and rebellion, those to whom Moses spoke were poised to victoriously cross the Jordan because they believed and obeyed God. So we had the generation that left Egypt, but yet lost their faith in God. And because of that, and because of their refusal to follow his commandments, then they lost the promised land that had been promised through Abraham. The generation that followed fortunately learned from that, and they kept their faith in God. They were able to go into the land, and they were, over, they were able to take the land for the children of Israel. Unfortunately, we see later, in subsequent generations, they also again began to, fellow, to fall away from God, and then lost that. Moses reminded the people in Deuteronomy 4.4, But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. No doubt the people had witnessed the punishment of those who rejected God. Instead of following that course, they chose wisely the route of obedience. Hold fast to the indicated single-minded honoring of God. 
Our submission to divine authority brings reward. It was not enough, however, that the people had obeyed God up to that juncture. Their obedience needed to continue. We must remember that when we make the decision to become a Christian, Christianity is a continual process. It's not something that they do one time and it's over. We don't hear the word, believe the word, and become baptized, and that's it. We've got to follow the word. We've got to be obedient to the word. This is a continual day-by-day thing for Christians. We're never going to be perfect. There are going to be times when we're going to make mistakes. There are times that we're going to be discouraged. But we have to follow the word each and every day with the intention of improving each and every day. When you get up in the morning, your desire should be that I'm going to be a better Christian today than I was yesterday. Chances are, if you like me, you made mistakes yesterday. You don't want to make those mistakes again today. So we try to get better. We try to do better. Moses urged the people to follow God's commands. Back in Deuteronomy again, verses 5 through 6. I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them. For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, Surely this is a great nation, a wise and understanding people. We do well to notice that submission to authority has a twofold benefit. First of all, it reflects wisdom and understanding on the part of the obedient. Second, it makes an impact on others. We need to be that as Christians. We need to be that as a congregation. We need to be that as a church. Our following will show our understanding of the scriptures. You cannot follow something until you understand it, correct? And also our following will be an example to those who are outside the church of what Christianity really and truly is. There are many people in the world today who go through life, I guess, claiming trying to be a Christian, but never really understood what the concept of Christianity is. But we can set an example that will help that. When we look at our country today, what is the world opinion of the U.S.? Not very good, is it? Okay, think back in the 40s and the 50s, even earlier, when Christianity was strong in this nation, what was the world view of the U.S.? Leadership, right? It's a place where everyone wanted to come. It was a place where people wanted to be like. Where countries wanted to set up their governments like ours. Rewards come with submission to authority, godly authority. But when we stray from that godly authority, then we become a bad influence. That's true in person, in a congregation, in a country. 
This is precisely what Jesus called us to do when he charged us in Matthew 5 and 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We do this by our submission to God's authority. When those outside Christ see us truly living a Christian life, sets an example that is noticed. God is not glorified when we live according to our own desires. He's glorified when we submit to his authority. As a clear example of what it means to submit to authority of the Lord is found in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 11 through 15. In this passage, King David admonished the priests and Levites to move the ark of the Lord in the manner prescribed by God to a new location. Explaining the importance of moving the ark properly, David reminded the people of the earlier event and stated, For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. When you do it the correct way, it works really well, doesn't it? Yeah, it, but it, I mean, they, they said we can improve on this idea instead of carrying it. Right. You put it on the cart, it's easier and more convenient. Mm-hmm. But if they had been doing it the way God said, it wouldn't have, they wouldn't have been tempted to touch it. Right. It was God knew the right way and the best way, and that's the way he expected them to do it. But, of course, they thought it would be more convenient, mm-hmm. easier. Right, and that's. But it wasn't right. Yeah, that's one thing the author brings out here, talking about that, is the fact that um, when they transported the part, the car, um, can I talk? When they transported the ark originally, and they did not do it in the correct way, they did not do it in the way that was prescribed by God. They did it in the way that they thought was best. We remember the story about that and how Isaiah died when he touched the ark because it was about to fall. And many people, and, and my, I myself when I was younger, had a hard time understanding, well, if he was trying to save the ark, you know, why did God kill him? Why did this happen? Well, it happened because from the beginning, they were disobeying God. God had a specific method that the ark was supposed to be moved and who it was to be moved by. And from the very beginning, they were going against God's laws. And that was because of, that was the reason for this penalty, because they did do that. They did it their way, and they didn't do it God's way. This also uh, tells us how we can do something in things that it's more easy to do, and it can harm our brothers and sisters. Correct. And not only um, you're saying that we can do things that's, that's easy to do, but can harm our brothers and sisters, but also harm our influence in the world, can it? Um, so. Yeah, they were supposed to, uh, the, the Levites were supposed to carry it. Wasn't it supposed to be at the front? Was, was it not to be at the front to be presented? Like that was no, in all battles it was carried at the very front. And that was the purpose for it. So I, there's a lot of things I think we can learn yeah. from that. It's showing, I assume, showing the power of God. Right. The purpose that God intended it for mm-hmm. has to be honored. Right. Yeah, the method and, and the purpose of both, yeah. And I always think about worship, especially our singing, and you know, you can't 
Some do it well as we worship God. We do it for the right purpose. We do it in the way that He commanded. Uh, we don't deviate from that. Just as when we when we begin to deviate from what God told us when it comes to worship, then really we're not offering worship any longer, are we? When we begin to do things our way instead of His way, it's no longer acceptable worship. Yes, God. Of sins, presumptuous. Like we talked about last week, selfishness, right? I do it the way that I want to do it, not the way that God wants it. And then it gets back to the fact that we have selfish nature. Well, they could say, well, it was good enough for my family. It was good enough for me. It was good enough for the enemy to bring back the mark on the cards. It's good enough for me, and they use that today. No. Okay, so let's see. Let me get back to the right point here. Uh, looking at Acts chapter 4, verses 32 and 34, living the way God authorized sometimes requires individuals to make certain sacrifices. We mentioned that. Obviously, we must give up selfishness and the sinful behavior stemming from such in order to follow Christ. This, however, is not all. As the early Christians learned, other sacrifices are sometimes required. For example, some of the Christians in Jerusalem sold their lands and houses to provide for the needs of their brethren. These Christians who sacrificed to help others certainly followed the example that Jesus set when he gave himself for us. Those living under God's plan must recognize the need to extend physical care to their brethren and to those who are in need. 
Paul mentions Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all, especially those who are the household of faith. When we practice this, we help to fulfill God's commands. When we look at Psalms 37 and 25, it tells us again that I have been young and I am now old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. When we follow God's plan in this manner, we also develop one heart and soul that brings about unity and respect. By these means, we grow closer to one another and closer to God. You know, the Bible tells us, we just read in, in Psalms, that it hasn't seen the righteous forsaken our children begging for bread. And there are times when we have fellow Christians who fall on hard times, unemployment, other things, um, health issues or something like that, that need help. And we're to respond to that. That's part of following God's commands. That's part of, part of helping become this brotherhood that is spoken of in the scriptures. Caring for one another, loving one another. When a person is in need of food or something like that, and we know that today that these miracles that we see in the Old Testament are not performed, God is not going to miraculously have food appear on their table, right? So we help in the fact that we provide them what they need. We help to keep that brother or that sister from begging for bread because we care and love for one another. And when they need something, we sacrifice to provide it. And that's how things should be. Caring for one another is one important aspect of the Christian brotherhood. And then now the moves to Hebrews chapter 13. He's discussing the authority extending from Godhead through Scripture to humanity makes provisions for governance and guidance of local congregations. Godly leaders are to appoint to watch out for those souls of the local church. These men must certainly meet qualifications and those who accept the position take on tremendous responsibilities. And Paul says in... in uh, he talks about that. Acts 20 and 28. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. And then Christians are told in 1317, Obey those that rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. And he talks here about the eldership watching out for the souls of the members of their congregation. We discussed before that's a very valid point, a very interesting point. So the elders try to make sure that the teaching that is provided for the congregation is in accordance with the scriptures. Try to make sure that the activities and things that are happening in the congregation are also in accordance with the scriptures. Uh, I mentioned, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, I talk, I've been reading a book about liberalism. And that's what led to the idea of the selfishness and things like that. Um, but when we, we look at these things, a lot of people feel it's the job of the eldership to eliminate things like liberalism from the congregation. But in reality, that's not the case. The case is to keep it from ever getting here in the first place. Because once it takes root, it's difficult to get out. 
but preventing it from coming in solves both problems. So at certain times you may see the eldership make decisions that seem rather conservative. But that could be the reason. Not letting something get a foothold in the congregation and then spreading from there. The author of writing said that he is not fit to serve as an elder who is not capable of guiding. The apostle exhorts them in Hebrews to remember those who have been their leaders to imitate their faith. In this, he exhorts them to obey the leaders that they now had and to submit to their authority in all manners of doctrine and discipline on the ground that they watch for the members' souls and should have to give an account of their conduct to God. If this conduct were improper, they would give their report before the great tribunal with grief but it must be given. If holy and pure, they would give it with joy. God, in his infinite wisdom, designed an office in the church, which we refer to also as deacons, to help meet the needs of the members of the local congregation. And the qualifications for those are also found in 1 Timothy, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 3. These are men who are appointed responsibilities to serve the church. They are charged to take care of the physical welfare of the congregation, which then allows the elders to focus on the spiritual welfare of the congregation. Deacons must exercise responsibility. One cannot be a deacon without understanding responsibility and dependability. The church will greatly benefit when congregations appoint deacons who understand these and exercise them in fulfilling the appointed roles. Deacons are to involve the congregation in their work, not simply to do the work themselves. And I think that's something we forget oftentimes. Something that need, we need to remember. <clears throat> As a congregation, the work of the congregation does not fall upon the shoulders of the preachers. It does not fall upon the shoulders of the elder. And it does not fall upon the shoulders of the deacon. It falls upon the shoulders of each and every one of us. The elders oversee, and the deacons try to implement what the elders need. But oftentimes, the deacons need your help in order to do that. Proper delegation is very important, not only fulfilling the work of the church, but also executing proper organization in the entire body of Christ, working as a single unit. When Paul described the church as a body in 1 Corinthians 12, he did so by recognizing the importance of every single individual member. Therefore, elders, deacons, and ministers are not to do all the work of the church themselves. Deacons especially must involve members in their work. So remember this as we go through from day to day. And then if a deacon approaches you and asks your help in something in regarding the congregation, He's not only taking care of the congregation, but also fulfilling the words of Christ by involving the members in the work. We want every member here to be active. We want every member here to be productive. That's not selfishness. It's not laziness on our part. It has to do with your salvation. We're to be workers for the Lord. 
And that doesn't stop at elders and deacons. <clears throat> that is a commandment for every single one of us. So if a deacon were to come to you and ask for your help in something, you should take joy in it. Not only is the deacon not thought enough of you to come and ask, but he's also giving you the opportunity to fulfill the law of Christ. Something we're talking about is, is the fact that we want everyone to be active and we want everyone to be productive in, in the congregation and in the church. Because eventually we're all going to stand before God. And He asks you, What did you do? What are you going to tell Him? We all have that responsibility. We're all supposed to be active, we're all supposed to be working in the church. So if a deacon comes to you and asks you to do something, that's an opportunity. Right. But remember that the, the congregation is, is based on cooperation. And it's strange, you can get concepts and ideas from all different areas, even though they're not intended for that, right? And so, I was getting ready this morning and there was music playing in the background, there was a song going... <clears throat> And he was talking about competition in life. And a lot of times that's what we get into in our jobs and in, and in sports and everything else is the competition. And you've got to be better than the other person and you've got to do more and you've got to do all these sort of things like that. But those things in life mean nothing. Eventually you're going to retire. Hopefully. And then it doesn't really matter what your position in the company was. 
Eventually you're going to get too old to participate in sports. And it doesn't really matter how good you could hit that baseball. All things here are temporary. And in the next life, the things that you accomplish here are not going to follow you. But the things that you do for the Lord and for the church will follow you. Okay, and that concludes our lesson. And then, as I said, I guess next week, you'll have the joy of a different speaker, so we'll have a change. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.